if you're thinking what I'm thinking, then yeah. Time for the Friday Sit Down. Now, on its fourth episode in Season 5, the Friday Sit Down podcast is collaborating with a new speaker that has been a previous and loyal supporter of CEU's Psychology Society projects for the past years. We are overjoyed for our topic tonight, but before we start, I have a question for our beloved listeners. Are there instances when you wonder what you will do tomorrow or in the next two to five years? Are you wondering if you will be successful or if you live the life that you desire? Or if you're thinking deeply, are you wondering what you're doing, what you're doing to help the entire world? Okay, relax guys. Don't worry. We will continue to explore the mental health alongside sustainable development goals or SDGs during this season. These include 17 goals aimed at changing the world and making it a better place. Isn't that what we all want? So get ready because we are about to get into the SDG number 10. Hashtag you matter. Recognizing the truth behind mental health disability. The Friday Sit Down Season 5, Episode 4, aims to promote knowledge about sustainable development goals for students on a surface level, assist students in creating ideals involving sustainable development goals in their daily lives, shape students into being more eco-friendly, and assist students in understanding how certain situations affect a person psychologically. Hi everyone, I am E. Warpilia, your host for this evening. It is my great joy and privilege to announce to you our guest speaker for this evening and for this episode. He is a certified dementia rated in Alzheimer's Disease Research Center in University of Washington, St. Louis, Missouri, USA. He held a Master's of Arts in Psychology and specialized in clinical studies as a cum laude at University of Santo Tomas with an Outstanding Recognition of William Wundt's Outstanding Psychology Educator Award, and also with an academic publication entitled Learning Biopsychology, The Easy Way, which is co-authored with Rosalito de Guzman, PhD. So let us all welcome our guest speaker, Mr. Tofen C. de Jesus. Kamusta po kayo, sir? Good evening po. Hello, EU. Hi, good evening. And of course, good evening to all of the listeners to our podcast this evening. It's nice to have you with us. Once again, welcome to the Friday Sit-Down, Mr. De Jesus, and we thank you for taking the time for joining us tonight. Yes, of course. It's always a pleasure to help students, especially those who are advocating for equal mental health for everyone. So, without further ado, I believe it's time to move on and tackle today's topic, which is recognizing the truth behind mental health disabilities. Okay. So, first and foremost, ano, we always need to understand okay, that it's very important that we learn to have an acknowledgement and we need to talk about different mental health and disabilities. You know, you, when, when you talk about mental health disabilities, it is very important that there is an awareness of the individual, also known as insight. If there is insight, it means that the person is capable of understanding what is going through, what could have possibly caused it, and more importantly, what can he do now for himself or herself in order to process the situation? You know, there are a lot of, of myths regarding mental health nowadays. And it's very important that we have credible sources on which we can get real and useful information, particularly towards the development of insights for mental health conditions and disabilities. So I think the first thing that we need to debunk, if I may say so here, is that not all mental health illnesses are permanent. 
Okay? Most often than not, that's the most common misconception that our mental health illnesses are permanent and lifelong. They're chronic. Again, it's not all of them. There are some that are really that lifelong, but most of them are not. Some of them are even situational or episodic. So it means that it's only happening to a person because you're going through something, something that you see yourself having a difficulty trying to reach out a solution for. And at the same time, you often feel that you may not have the right particular tools or the right abilities that you would need to use in order for you to resolve the issue that you have. So, for example, let's say for someone who is who has depression, okay? Most people will think, that if I have depression right now, does that mean that I'll have depression all my life long? Same goes for anxiety, perhaps. If I have anxiety right now, does that mean that I'll always have anxiety each and every time that I have this kind of situation? However, what we need to understand is that it's not always the case, okay? So you need to first understand that not all mental health conditions are permanent. They're not all chronic. So for example, let's say in major depressive disorder, okay, it's usually brought upon by a major depressive episode. Some of the episodes may be active. Some of them may be inactive. So depending on the situation that you have, anxiety goes like that as well. Some of them are situational. Some of them are general. So it's very important for us to have that kind of awareness first. Second, we need to understand that when we talk about mental health disabilities, if anybody can be vulnerable. Sometimes we always have a false sense of strength saying, hey, you know what? I'm not vulnerable to that. I, I am a guy or I'm a, I'm a strong person or I'm an experienced individual. Life has given me a lot of challenges already. We need to understand that sometimes it's not the case. Because one way or another, there are certain situations, for example, where in which we would then have situations that may be bigger than our own capacity to resolve it. Sometimes our defense mechanisms may not be working as well as they could, or sometimes even our support system may not be as efficient as possible. So we need to understand that when it comes to mental health disabilities, anybody can develop that. Whether you're young, you're old, you're a man, you're a woman, anybody even you're educated or non-educated, as long as you're a person and as long as you're you're there really fighting off the, the everyday struggle of what life is right now at the modern time, one or another, you can develop mental disabilities. Now, another misconception is that when you become mentally ill, you become violent, you become ineffective. Well, I'm here to say that it's not always the case. I think what we need to reach on out here is that sometimes with the proper help, whether it comes from the self or it comes to another per from another person, there is always a possibility for us to really recover and to maintain a certain level of functionality and safety, even though we are struggling with some mental health issues. Now, sometimes we need to understand that our, our culture also plays a part on why these hurdles are present among us right now. Okay, So for example, when it comes to talking about mental health difficulties, our culture, particularly our collectivistic culture, is one barrier towards it. For example, Filipinos, whenever they have mental health issues, they would rather go to their moms or their dads, their family, perhaps their friends, because we feel that we are most comfortable with the people that we always have frequent encounters with. Not all of us are that open to the idea of going to professional help. And I don't blame them because... Sometimes it's not that easy to open up to a stranger, not to mention when you're talking about something that's too personal for yourself. 
But what I'm just trying to share here is this. Your parents, your family members, your friends, they are good sources of information. They are good sources of support. They are good sources of help. However, what may differ with your help with them and the one coming from a professional is objectivity. One way or another, your family and your friends may have biases towards you because they know who you are. They know what may hurt you. They know what you might find offensive. And because of that, they might shy away from those topics that they would think would be a hot button or a sensitive topic for you. And because of that, you may be depriving yourself of the proper information that you would need to know about yourself. That's why going to the professionals is really the right way to do it. Now, the next question, EU, would be which professional will you go? I mean, for us, because we're students of psychology, we're familiar with it. But for lay individuals, they would really ask, do I go to a psychiatrist? Do I go to a psychologist? Do I go to a life coach? Do I go to a guidance counselor? Okay, what's the difference? Now, maybe if, if it's okay, I can tackle it here. Now, the first thing that you need to know is that when you do have mental illnesses, that's already beyond the scope of your guidance counselors. Counseling psychology per se talks about the adjustment of people with normal day-to-day -day living. But if it's already something too pathological, it should be elevated to the realm of clinical psychologists. Now, let's say, for example, you're a student. You're having trouble with, let's say, establishing a study plan for yourself or managing your time or maybe perhaps trying to understand certain ways of studying that you cannot do for yourself. Go to your guidance counselor for that. Let's say, for example, you're now starting to have difficulty sleeping, eating, appetites have been changing erratically. You have started to lose interest with the things that you were interested to before. These are more serious conditions. Or for example, let's say, you cannot just really con control yourself on how anxious you can become in certain ways. These are already in the realm of your clinical psychologists. Now, when do you go to a psychiatrist? Primarily, depending on the severity of the case that you have. We have what we call vegetativity, meaning it is the capacity of your body to remain physically functional. If there is frequent vegetative states within your case, Let's say you often feel that you're just always in the bed the entire day. Or for example, you're always in your room. You don't get out of the room anymore. Or perhaps you just don't feel like talking even. It just means that chemically speaking, there might be chemicals that are lacking already in your brain because of that. So your psychiatrist will be very helpful to do that for you. Now, people will always ask, is there a way that I can have both? Well, primarily, it's even ideal to have both a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Why is that so? The psychiatrist will take care of the chemicals in your brain. It talks about the neurobiological way of, of dealing with concerns for mental health. On the other hand, your, your psychologist will give you the psychotherapy, the way of changing your thought patterns, the way of changing your degree of perception, the way of changing your self-blame thoughts and actions. They will allow you to free up your mind with any particular concept that might be impeding you from having an optimum mental health. So having both will be very beneficial. For Filipinos, you know, they have this kind of fear regarding medication. But, you know, 
you need to understand that medication is also there to help you. Medication and therapy coming together is the best possible combination that you can have for your mental health. So we then we start with developing insight, knowing where to go, knowing when to go. Primarily when people ask, when do I really need to see somebody? Well, if your functionality is already compromised. You don't see yourself having an easy time waking up in the morning. You often feel that you're trying to do your work, but you just keep on going on in circles. You can't finish things properly. You're always trying to catch up with a deadline. You feel that your emotions are out of control. In general, you feel that you're not becoming adaptable anymore. So in that aspect, it's very much needed for you to talk to someone, to talk to a professional. And here in the Philippines, your guidance counselors, your psychologists, and your psychiatrists, these are the licensed clinical professionals. Okay, So for the benefit and safety of the public, please either go to those professions because they are the ones who are licensed by the state which means that they were able to pass a certain bar and standard for helping people. Okay, let's continue. So people would often think, what are the reasons why I have mental illnesses right now? Well, usually what you need to understand is that there is no single factor in developing mental illnesses. So first and foremost, it starts with your genetics. There are certain families that may have high predispositions for mental health illnesses. There's always going to be those kind of things. Now, having a high predisposition does not mean that automatically you will have the disorder. It's not. In fact, your predisposition still needs to be triggered by your environmental experiences. That's why we call it the diathesis stress model, where in which the interaction of your genetics and your experiences trigger the development of your illnesses. But beyond that, other circumstances can also be you know, tapped into in developing mental illnesses. A good example is your capability to understand what your strengths are. Having an understanding of how strong you are, what your characteristics are, how can you enable yourself to be handled by that, it's also very vital to, for you to have that kind of awareness. And unfortunately, most people do not have that. We just go through life for what it is, having one success each, each and every day that we do, but we don't recognize the strengths that led us to those kind of successes. So sometimes if you don't have a good repertoire of your strengths, then primarily when the time comes that you face a difficult problem, you don't have the right capacity to solve it. In addition to that, your support system might also be a problem. You don't have someone to talk to. You don't have that many friends. You may have become used to becoming a loner for quite some time. So those factors also come in. And of course, there's also your personality. Some people are very type A. You know, they, they try to make things harder for themselves. They try to push themselves further and further without realizing that they're already trying to break themselves apart. So those factors, your genetics, your personality, your coping styles, your strengths, your social support, those are all factors that help, that hold on to the development of mental health disabilities. Okay, And in my practice, if I may say so, in the last 13 years, it's always those four that come up as the source of why people become mentally ill. But again, for those of you who are listening right now, please don't fret. You know, mental illness is something manageable. You just need to find the right person to adjust to and be open to in order for you to be given some of the help that you need. Now, I know 
people will always say, you know, you can diagnose yourself nowadays. You can just type in into Google and then everything will be given into you, diba? However, I would rather say that please do not do that. Why is that so? Number one, mental health signs and symptoms can overlap. There are a lot of conditions with mental health that appear to have the same symptoms and the same manifestations. Sometimes it takes a very critical clinical eye in order to differentiate those symptoms into what you're having. Second, when you're assessing mental health concerns, symptoms need to be properly arranged whether they are the source of the problem or the product of the problem because that arrangement will also dictate the kind of intervention that you will have. Let's say, for example, you are anxious with how you will be doing with your tests. So you start to have a problem with anxiety. And because you always feel anxious that you're not doing well with your tests, you then start to loathe who you are. You then start to hate what you have become. And that is where depression will come in. So in that scenario, it was anxiety that caused the depression to develop. Sometimes it could be the other way around. You could start first with having depressive symptoms. And because you know that your mood is unstable, you can now start to become anxious with the situation that you will go through in the future. So because you were depressed, you were unable now to have a secure footing with what you are and what you can do for your subsequent activities. So if you will look at that, both of them have depressive and anxiety symptoms, but the arrangement is different. And therefore, for the person who will be treating you, he would have a different attack if the depression is the source or whether the anxiety is the source. You get what I mean? So it's something that is, you know, something sequential. In addition to that, a lot of people nowadays can give opinions. I am doing it right now. I'm guesting here in this show because you're asking for my professional opinion on this matters. And don't get me wrong. People have freedom to do so. They all have freedom to do so. But the problem is that not all of them may have a vast experience of seeing people, seeing cases of those kind of things. And, you know, in the clinical field, experience is the best teacher. It's not actually even the length of your stay in the clinical field, but rather how much exposure do you have to patients? Some people might say, this is my experience with depression. That's good. But I'd like to just give a forewarning to those who will be watching that if you then listen to a private individual talking about his experiences, please take note that it only reflects what his factors are. Some of those factors may not be present with you. And that the way that you try to solve your problems using his or her methods may not be entirely a good fit for it. So in that scenario, it's always best to have a clinician with you. Now, sometimes you go to a clinician, whether it's a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or a registered guidance counselor, sometimes you go to them and then you just don't feel the click. You don't feel the rapport. Is that a bad thing? No. I always tell this to patients. Don't lose heart if you don't click it with the first psychologist that you meet. Psychologists are people too. We have different values. We even have different theoretical inclinations on how to explain human behavior. You don't need to force yourself to fit to your psychologist. And your psychologist doesn't even need to fit also to you. 
what's important there is a trust that needs to be that needs to be produced between the two of you a trust that the psychologist knows what he or she is doing and the trust that the patient is willing to be open and to listen to what the psychologist has to say so sometimes people will be asking me sir i've been with my therapist for 2 years and i think nothing is working i don't see any improvement I just feel that it's going to be disrespectful to my therapist if I go out now of the relationship. No, it's not a bad thing. You can opt to take yourself out of therapy at any given time. Now, especially nowadays that times are really hard, the good thing is that there are still some institutions that can offer free services if you're a little short, if you're a little short on the budget. Okay. In fact, the Psychological Association of the Philippines before published a list of clinical centers that are offering free services. And of course, there are also hospitals, for example, like UST Hospital. They have a charity division. I think PGH also has one. Those hospitals with charity divisions may offer help at a very reduced price. You know, the good thing nowadays is that help is there. It's just a matter of us researching. So instead of researching your condition, research on an institution that can help you. Okay, I think that's a better step towards managing the situation that you have right now. A lot can be still done. I applaud this effort of this podcast given the fact that you are raising awareness. And the good thing is that a lot of people are doing that right now. Whether public or private institutions alike, they do that. And I think we have to support one another in this. And I think that's where networking of professionals and advocates alike will become very essential. Okay, I think what the youth can do right now is to show the reality of how it is to have mental illnesses right now. Interviewing someone with mental conditions, asking what they go through, asking their difficulties, asking the challenges that they face in trying to solve their problems. I think that is a better way of really showing people what's what regarding mental health. And we need it. We always need this. Why? Because mental health is intangible. It's not like physical health that you can see your sipon or you can hear your obo. It's not like that. It's something that happens inside of you, in your body, in your mind. So one way or another, it's not something that can be quantified tangibly. And you know what? I think all the more that we should be supporting also our government's methods, particularly with RA11036 or the Mental Health Act, you know, we really need to support those people who are also going to get into those jobs. Uh, in fact, if I may say so, a few days ago, it's posted on Facebook, uh, PAP is moving towards having the IRR for those kind of things in order for us to ensure that the profession lives on. Because the problem now is that if you go to the government, a psychologist would have a salary grade 11, I think. Please correct me if I'm wrong. And that's very low especially for somebody who would be required to have a master's degree before they practice. So I think in that aspect, it's something that needs to be revised. Okay, And hopefully, the professionals who are here right now can do their part in helping becoming consultants for things like this, participating in open communication, in town hall meetings. This will be very essential for that development. You know, you, I've been talking here for... So long, simply put, I just like to integrate it this way. Mental health is real. People feel it, compromises their functionality, it compromises their direction with their life, 
compromises how safe they are with themselves. It's something that's inevitable. Roughly one out of four people will always have a mental health condition or a mental health symptom. It's reality. It's due to the stress that we have. It's due to the genetics that we have. It's due to the differences that we have in our own respective personalities. It's the difference on how we you know, collect people to surround us. But the point here is that it can be managed. Help is available. Help is there. Okay? And for those who are having mental health illnesses right now, what I'm just trying to say is that you need to hold on. You know, I had this acronym before of the word HOPE. And I told them, you know, HOPE stands for hold on. The pain ends. Okay? Mental health illnesses can be managed. You just need to find the right people. I know it's difficult, but I always tell people this way. Ask yourselves, how long would you like to suffer from this condition continuously? How long would you like your life to be this way? How long would you like to stay in the shadows, hiding yourself from the world, where in which the truth about it is that there's a world that's open for you. We may be few, but we are that strong. As long as there are people like you guys, younger students who are advocating for better mental health, professionals like us who continue in the practice, there's always hope for those with mental health illnesses. So don't give up. Okay? That's all. Yeah, and thank you so much for that wonderful talk, Mr. Desus. And for the listeners out there, I hope that this episode is a reminder that it's okay to get some help. And I hope that we now have a deeper understanding about the reality of having mental health disability. And for the next part of our episode, we will now proceed to the side cue. Um, number one, what advice would you give to people who are experiencing denial when they have been diagnosed with a mental disorder? Number one, what you need to understand is that denial will not get you anywhere. The first thing that you need to look into is that the more that you deny, the more that you are now trying to prohibit yourself in finding the right intervention that's supposed to be for you. So I understand and I can empathize for those people who have been diagnosed with mental illnesses that they would have certain level of hesitations and defensiveness. But what you need to understand is this. This thing has been diagnosed with you because you were manifesting it, meaning it came from what you are and what you are doing. So one way or another, this is not something that the people, you know, were just able to see because, you know, out of chance. It's something that you were manifesting, okay? Second, when somebody tries to help you out, Look at the idea coming from the point of concern. You know, sometimes we always say people don't understand us. People feel that they, you know, no one can really listen to us. But in fact, sometimes there are people who can do this for us. It's just so happened that when it comes to those kind of things, we think that we just want it in the context that is really personal to us. And sometimes that's where our openness would need to be rethought. Okay? You need to understand that when people are approaching you, they might be approaching you really from a sincere point, okay, or a sincere standpoint. And because of that, you also need to give some level of openness towards it. You know, even if, for example, it doesn't make sense to you right now, 
you need to tell yourself, you owe it to yourself to find out what it really meant and what it can do to change your life. It's very important that we value the life that we have right now because short as it may seem, the important thing is that we leave something for ourselves in this kind of life. We, we leave a mark on this world. And how can we do that if we're not functional? How can we do that if we are ill? So look at it at the point of view that you will be starting to help yourself. You will be starting to reintegrate yourself to the reality of what life is and enable yourself to be happy okay, with what your life is. It's not an easy thing. Definitely not going to be short as well. But the progress will never happen unless you start it. Sabi nga nila, di ba? The journey of a thousand miles always begin with the first steps. The more that you deny, then the more that you're just prohibiting yourself from taking off towards the idea of developing optimal mental health. Okay, sir. Um, Thank you so much for that very wonderful uh, answer. Let's now proceed to question number two. Mental health disabilities have been a taboo topic, and although we could clearly see improvements on this, how could we advocate sincere understanding regarding mental health disabilities without making it seem like these people are different from us? Okay. I think in that aspect, I do agree that the stigma still exists, although it's starting to take shape that we are, we, the advocates of mental health, we're really already making a dent regarding the stigma. I think the main problem here is that mental illnesses kasi are seen as always unstable, conditional. So because of that, people will often think that if they deal with somebody with a mental illness, they wouldn't be dealt with effectively by that person. They feel that, you know, if this person will do this, he may not do this consistently. He may not show up to work consistently. He may not be able to be effective consistently. So that's where the problem stands. Now, because of that, what we need to advocate for is the idea that mental illnesses are just like any illness at all. You don't shun somebody who is coughing or sneezing or maybe has, let's say, fever, okay? So the point is that we need to tell ourselves and the people that we work for that mental illnesses are just as the same as physical illnesses. What we need to do here is to morally, to, to more accept the idea or to be easier to accept the idea that mental illnesses are a possible result of even basic day-to-day -day living. It's something that may not even be avoidable by some people. So in that aspect, we need to produce more psychoeducation. We need to uplift the people's idea that mental illness is already a, a terminus on its own. It's not. People can remain functional even if you have mental illnesses. Okay, And in that aspect, we can fight off the stigma by inclusiveness. By, let's say, for example, allowing a co-worker who has mental illness to have mental health breaks or maybe accommodating the necessary needs of that person, allowing and empathizing on where the person is coming from, finding support groups for that person. I think those are the right methods that we could use in order to reintegrate these people because I think the stigma is present because we always think them as different from what we are. But I think what we need to open our eyes into is that people with mental illnesses are first and foremost 
people. They have lives. They are just also trying to go through their lives in every single day that they could. But it just so happens that an illness struck them. That's why their effectiveness, their functionality is presently compromised. And all the more that they are shunned, all the more that they are stigmatized, all, all, all the more that they are discriminated, we are pushing them further and further into the abyss of their illness. You're just making things worse for them rather than making things better. So I think the word here, EU, that we're looking for is inclusion. Understanding that they are people too. They have needs. They, they, they need attention. They need affection. They need care. They need empathy. Okay, sir. Um, thank you so much, Pa, for that very informative answer. Let us now proceed to question number three. When treating mental health disorders or disabilities, is therapy much better treatment than taking medications? It depends on the case. There are certain cases where therapy works. Okay, What does that mean? First and foremost, if the person already has a good realization of why the problem exists, therapy will be more effective than that. Why? Because there's already an open mind that is very receptive towards the situation. So if the person already has an acceptance that, you know what, I have a mental illness, I have to take care of this, no one will take care of this but myself, I have to work with this, then the therapy is even accelerated. However, there are some conditions where in which they have become severe. They have developed and progressed into severe conditions to the point that even the body functionality is already affected. In this case, it's always better to take the medication first. Why? You need to first balance out the chemicals in the brain so that your brain is ready enough to be receptive to the things that are being talked about in the discussion during psychotherapy. Another case, for an example here, is that if you have an active psychosis, if you are not within proper realms of reality, so what happens now is that you will always think that things are happening even though they're not. You have delusions, you have hallucinations, disorganized speech, disorganized behavior. There's no integration of what you do. And because of that, whatever psychotherapy your psychologist is doing, it may not push through. It may not go through. It, it, it may not connect towards you. So in that situation, what you need to realize is that intervention is a case-to-case -case basis. It depends on the severity of your condition, how frequent you're experiencing it, what are your strengths, your coping mechanisms that are helping you out, and what are the other conditions like your culture, your family background, because these things can also you know, produce different results. So in that situation, it is very important that we say to ourselves, we need to have an assessment first. Okay, That's why I tell people who are listening to us right now, having the right assessment is very essential to the way that you will recover with your condition. Okay, And in terms of therapy, as long as there's openness of mind, there's openness towards new experiences, there's openness towards change, you're helping yourself in the process. The medications, they're just there to balance things out. Sometimes the condition is not that severe. So psychotherapy alone can help. But if it is severe, do not underestimate the power of medications also.
As for the question number four, what can people with mental, mental health disabilities do in order to seek help when they experience being shunned by their own family? Okay. The first thing that you need to understand is that you are the first step in this process. Even if people are not agreeing to what you think, you hold the key towards how you will be helping yourself. Watching videos on the internet is a good start. Watching and listening to podcasts like this is a good start. But like what I said before, what we are just saying here are just personal opinions. Experiences that maybe are too limited because it's just the one that happened with us. So in that scenario, it's also important to look into the objective side of things. You can research into institutions that can give you free therapy sessions, free counseling sessions. They exist, okay? There are some private and public foundations that are capable of providing free services to the needy, okay? The point here is this. If people around you have given up on you, don't give up on yourself. You owe it to yourself. Why? All of us who are here on, out, here on earth, we all deserve to be happy. Okay? We deserve to be happy. But we are not going to be given that happiness that easily. We need to work for it. Sometimes it might even be as long as your entire lifetime. But nonetheless, what it tells us is that it's possible to be happy. But no one can start the road for you but yourself. So don't give up. Your emotions may be strong today, but they may be gone tomorrow. They may have subsided even a few hours after this podcast. So what I'm trying to say is that if you're suffering right now, if you're feeling bad right now, just remember this is not a permanent thing. It can change. It can subside. It can altercate depending on the situation that you are in. But what's more important is that you should be steadfast in the way that you want to help yourself. You should have the zeal, the idea to tell yourself, you know what, no one will do this but myself. I always tell patients, you know, you want a change to happen in your life, first be the change in your life. Always have the idea that you are the key to your own solution. Even psychologists, psychiatrists, and other mental health professionals, technically we are just guides. We are just people who will help you out in your process. We don't even direct you on what you need to do. We provide options and consequences. So what you need to understand is that it's still very much up to you. And that's why you need to be strong for yourself. You need to recognize what you do good every day so that you have a good foundation on how to even lift yourself up whenever you're down. It's very much possible. And with proper guidance of a mental health professional, it's very much achievable. Thank you so much, sir. Let's now proceed to the last question, which is, could there be a way to advocate for the prioritization of mental health in terms of our government currently runs its health sector? Well, to be honest, that can be still in the back burner right now, in my opinion. Why? Because we're still really settling the score with the, pande with the pandemic. Okay, we are still curtailing the spread of this COVID virus 
and ensuring that there's no repeat of any big waves that will come because of it. However, I would rather say that mental health ill, uh, mental health advocacy is becoming stronger here in the Philippines. We just need to keep the word out. We need to share what we go through, share what we believe in, share on what we would like things to be. You know, I always tell people, don't put everything on your government because the government already has too many things to think about. If you are a private person, just think of the smallest possible thing that you can contribute. Just even the post in your Facebook account saying, you know what, I'm a mental health advocate and I think this is one thing that they could do and you, you explain it, you expound on it. That's a good start. Okay? Because one way or another, sometimes you don't need to be a full-fledged professional to be a mental health advocate. You just need to be a human person with a compassionate mind, okay, an open mind, and someone who is really willing to listen in order for you to help somebody, okay? The psychologists, the psychiatrists, they, they are just there technically also for additional further support. But being a caring human being is also one of the most important factors. So let us not put the blame or put the push on any government institution, whatever. I think the, the one thing that we can do is to unite within ourselves, public or private alike. The main goal here is to ensure that mental health is seen in the proper way and done in the most effective solution possible. Thank you very much, sir. So, so that ends my psychics for today's episode. And we hope that the next episode has raised awareness among the general public about the truth behind mental health disabilities. And now, we would like to award our guest speaker the Certificate of Appreciation. The Certificate of Appreciation is given to Mr. Richtofen C. De Jesus, M.A., RSI, RPM, CDR for actively participating in the fifth season of the podcast series, The Friday Sit Down, with the third episode entitled, Hashtag You Matter, Recognizing the Truth Behind Mental Health Disability. And before we can conclude this episode, I would like to call the Assistant Vice President and the overall chairperson of this season, Ms. Maria Lilian Esfero. A lovely evening to everyone. First and foremost, I would like to thank our dear guest speaker, Mr. Desus, for giving us some of his time to share with us his insights and knowledge about tonight's topic. Me, as one of your listeners, I am very much happy to learn from you and I hope to see you again in our future events. Of course, I would like to thank all of the people who made this episode possible and successful. For all of the listeners, Thank you for freeing your time to listen to our podcast. We hope that this episode helped you in some ways to raise awareness and guide you in times of need. Thank you. Thank you so much for the closing remarks, Ms. Suero. Um, thank you so much again, Mr. Desus, for sharing your inputs and knowledge with us. And also to our dear listeners, thank you so much for tuning in with us tonight. And we hope that you have gathered information that will help you through your daily lives.